What you're about to listen to is an audio excerpt from the audiobook Transformation, subtitled The Breakthrough. This was written by Whitley Strieber and originally published in 1988. I'm holding in my hand the hardcover copy from Wilson and Neff, a copyright 1988. Presently, the book is being published through Avon Books. I got the audio presentation you are about to listen to here through audible.com. This short excerpt is read, and I will say read beautifully, by the late actor Roddy McDowell. Um, there is something so beautiful and heartfelt about the way he um, reads Whitley's words. Uh, it, it adds a depth that I think is extremely powerful. I am posting this uh, excerpt, which is the conclusion of the overall book. Uh, there's no spoilers here, so don't worry. I was driving two days ago on a long drive, and I listened to the book in its entirety from start to finish. I was I was really impressed uh, at this conclusion because of the depth of the questions that were being presented. Uh, I f this book was written, this is, it's 2013 as I record this, this book was written in 1988. That is now 25 years ago. The issues presented here are just as valid as they were a quarter of a century ago. And I will also say these, these issues are as ignored now as they were 25 years ago. If there is such thing as a UFO research community, which is hard to say, it's so fragmented and divisive, um, what you're about to hear through Roddy McDowell's voice and through Whitley Strieber's words is a sort of a clarion call to anyone trying to make sense of these very challenging concepts. Uh, the, the, the author does not shy away from the magnitude of these questions. This audio clip is just slightly under 12 minutes long. Please enjoy. And then I found there was something else in me, something besides the fear. I could balance my feelings. On the one hand was the desperate fear of a man alone in the dark with an unknown menace, and on the other hand was this enormous, silent, and beautiful thing, the peace that lives deep within, whatever the visitors are. I suspect that they have been responsible for much paranormal phenomena, ranging from the appearance of gods, angels, fairies, ghosts, and miraculous beings, to the landing of UFOs in the backyards of America. It may be that what happened to Muhammad in his cave, and to Christ in Egypt, to Buddha in his youth, and to all of our great prophets and seers, was an exalted version of the same humble experience that causes a flying saucer to traverse the sky, or a visitor to appear in a bedroom, or light to fill a circle of friends. It should not be forgotten that the visitors, if I am right about them, represent the most powerful of all forces acting in human culture. 
They may be extraterrestrials managing the evolution of the human mind, or they may represent the presence of mind on another level of being. Perhaps our fate is eventually to leave the physical world altogether and join them in that strange hyper-reality from which they seem to emerge. What is interesting to me now is how to develop effective techniques to call them into one's life and make use of what they have to offer. I have described gross versions of such techniques, such as developing real questions and being willing to be taken on a journey through one's fears. The most effective technique seems to be simply to open oneself, asking for what one needs the most without placing any conditions at all on what that might be. I hope that my book is fair warning of just how hard this journey can be. The few simple techniques I have found are only a beginning. If we choose to deepen our relationship with the visitors, I have no doubt that much more fruitful interaction can be accomplished. This would represent a complete change in man's relationship with this enigma. We would no longer be passive participants. Rather, we would be, to some degree, in co-equal control of the relationship. The visitor experience is old. Two hundred years ago, a farmer might have come in from his ploughing and said, I saw fairies dancing in the glen. A thousand years ago, he might have seen angels flying. Two thousand years ago, it would have been Dionysus leaping in the fields. Four thousand years ago, he might have seen the goddess Earth herself walking those old hills, her starry robes sparkling with the pure light of magic. That we could even conceive of having an objective relationship with this force is what is new about the visitor experience in modern times. Thankfully, the very way we think and perceive our universe may be changing. We may be in the process of achieving a more sane and objective view of something that has been a source of confusion since the beginning of time. We hide from the visitors. We hide in beliefs. They're the gods. They're gentry, dwarves, elves. They're demons or angels, aliens, the unconscious, the oversoul, hallucinations, mass hysteria, lies, you name it. But what they never are, what we never allow ourselves to face, is the truth. We can face the reality of the visitors. The first step is to admit that they exist, but that we do not know what they are. We can then make a tentative beginning, seeking to understand what they may mean to us. I hope that I have made a case for more general acceptance of the reality of the visitor phenomenon as something external to the minds of those perceiving it, and communicated what I feel is the critical importance of keeping it in question. 
because of the effort to dismiss the phenomenon which has been carried out by government and echoed throughout the scientific and intellectual communities, we remain in ignorance about it. I feel that it is up to each of us to seek our own contact, develop it if it occurs, and challenge ourselves to use it for intellectual, emotional, and spiritual growth instead of letting our fears overwhelm us. Learn to live at a high level of uncertainty. Only by doing this will we begin to gain the rigorously clear and objective outlook we need to perceive what is happening correctly. I will not assert anything final about the visitors, but I will say, indeed, I am clearly obligated to say, what I suspect may be true. I have learned a number of important things from my experience. One, the visitors are physically real. They also function on a non-physical level, and this may be their primary reality. Two, they have either been here a long time, or they are trying to create this impression. So far, our perceptions of them have been conditioned by our own cultural background. They are an objective reality that is almost always perceived in a highly subjective manner. Three, they have the ability to enter the mind and affect thought, and can accomplish amazing feats with this skill. Four, they have taught me by demonstration that I have a soul separate from my body. My own observations, while detached from my body, suggest that the soul is some form of conscious energy, possibly electromagnetic in nature. 5. They can affect the soul, even draw it out of the body, with technology that may possibly involve the use of high-intensity magnetic fields. 6. They used few words to communicate with me. Their primary method was a sort of theatrical demonstration, richly endowed with symbolic meaning. 7. When I challenged my own fear of them, they responded by taking me on a journey deep into my unconscious terrors. From this I learned that suppressing and denying fear are useless. I discovered how to accept my fear and not be surprised by it. I suspect that the visitors may have been here for a long time. It has even crossed my mind, given their apparent interest in human genetics, that they may have something to do with our evolution. I have emerged from my experience a thousand times stronger than I have ever been before it, and I am not at all afraid, and not even of death. Rather, it has become another rich potential in my life, a challenge to be met with a peaceful heart and an interested mind. The visitors have said, we recycle souls, and of the earth that this is a school. It may be exactly that. 
a place where souls are growing and evolving toward some form that we can scarcely begin to imagine. I can conceive that the fate of souls may be one of the great universal questions. It may be that we have emerged as a means of at once creating and answering this question. I do not now find the small grey beings terrible. I find them useful, as work with them is an efficient way to assault the dark battlements of fear and acquire the wisdom beyond. In order to transform the visitor experience into something that is useful to us, we must, or each of us, face the fact that they evoke fear and realize that we possess a peace within ourselves that cannot be assailed even by the most powerful negative force. Should we seek to expand the relationship, we will have to face some very, very difficult things. The journey will be almost inconceivably hard, but also rich with marvels and full of hope. We will walk a narrow way between dangers. To our left, there will be a sick planet and all of the social discord and economic misery that must accompany its suffering. To our right, there will be the rigorous, demanding and wise unknown that is the visitors. We will discover truths about ourselves, truths that will change each of us and all of us, forever. We will pierce the fog that has for so many long years obscured our vision. At last, we will see. Copyright Phoenix Audio